Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the How to Chess show. Of course, this is a weekly quick-hitting chess improvement show. We try to give you something to chew on on a given topic. And joining us this week is a chess trainer of many talents. He is probably best known as a popular chessable author. Uh, He created the Master the French Defense course, The Aggressive Queen's Gambit Declined, Opening Oddities, and the one with my favorite title, the Alakine, or Alyekin, if you prefer, The Dark Knight Rises. He's also the founder of Palm Beach Beach Chess Florida and the vice president of the Florida Chess Association. He's a tournament director, a FIDE national arbiter, and a USCF master. He has a YouTube channel along with his um, colleagues at Palm Beach Chess, uh, which you can look up, just search for Palm Beach Chess, and we'll link to it, of course. And our our guest, Brian, is very interested in psychology and the science of learning, and he's picked a great topic for today's episode, which, especially for chessable aficionados like myself, which is how to help remember things, how better ways to remember things. So before we dive into the topic, let's welcome our guest to the show, uh, Brian Tillis. How are you, Brian? I am excellent, and I am very, very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and you came you came up with this idea on your own, and I'm super excited for it because I mentioned to you in email. I've read I've read a few books about the science of learning, and it sounds like you have an even greater uh, enthusiasm for and knowledge of the subject, which you know is one of those things that that can help absolutely everyone. We all want to be able to remember things better. It's just uh, great in life as in chess. So, Brian, you think you're ready to dive into the topic of the day? Yeah, let's get to it. Okay. So the first question for you, Brian, is um, if we have limited time and we want to study an opening course, you know, a lot of these courses on Chessable are famously uh, voluminous, you know, cover every line under the sun, um, which is a, a, a good thing, but it can make it a challenge to sort of know where to begin. So what's your sort of broad advice for how to approach a brand new opening course? So first thing is it's so easy to get distracted while studying. So the very first thing I do is remove the potential distractions. You know, put the phone on silent, put it in a drawer, get it to the side. And keep in mind that 30 minutes of intense and focused study is going to have better results than hours of distracted study with, you know, running to the phone or things that are going on. So try to make the training similar to the tournament that you're preparing for. Like my philosophy with tournament preparation is if you're playing game in 90, for instance, your training should be 90 minutes. The, if the training is easier than the tournament competition, you're already kind of lacking in the training itself. So opening texts are typically designed with the fluff lines up front with the main lines at the end of the chapter. It's important for the player to make the, the most of their time studying by isolating the lines that are going to occur most frequently in their games. So using the data from your own games to drive instruction is so important. And there's a lovely website, openingtree.com that you're able to get a full database from the games that you've been playing online. And that can drive the instruction for where you actually need to study and focus your efforts with training. Also, on top of that, I I like to prepare for specific opponents that are going to be in upcoming tournaments that I'm playing in. So making chunking and making those associations with this player, say, plays the French defense or is a King's Indian player, helping to prioritize study and, I don't know, getting that emotional connection to, I know I'm going to be facing this from this guy. It's always been something that's helped me to remember it. I would say, though, the most important aspect of studying opening systems stems from 
what is your personal number for repetitions for mastery? How many repetitions does it take for you to reach retention? One of the most common mistakes my students make is repeating a single line simply until they have it right. You don't repeat a line until you have it right. You repeat it until you can't get it wrong. Yeah, that's wow. A lot of great nuggets there already, Brian. So um, question number one, of course, you live in in Palm Beach or in the Palm Beach area. Um, I'm guessing that's probably kind of like the median city size, maybe slightly big compared to the areas that a lot of uh, listeners and viewers would be from. So what I'm getting at is as a stronger player and as someone who lives in like a medium size, do you know specifically who you're playing or are you kind of just seeing who's in the tournament and saying there's a decent chance I'll play this person? And that's that's generally what you want to do. You, you check, say, the member service area. You see traditionally who plays in the tournaments in the area. And you know, you, you just try to prepare for them with white and black. I mean, mo- most people make life easy for you by uh, attaching their name to their mm-hmm. Lee Chess or Chess.com profiles, and it makes a huge difference. Okay, yeah. And obviously, if it's a bigger tournament, um, one of these like huge weekend or week-long ones, you if you have less information about who you're playing, you just want to focus on the, most, the things you f- face the most frequently, I would guess? Definitely. Go, going towards the core, it's, like I said, a lot of opening books are designed with fluff. And I think readers will start with these sidelines that when you look in the database, it's only been played 15 times in the history of chess versus the main line that you're going to face every single game or every other game. So depending upon rating range, so say if you're a Sicilian player, you're going to face the anti-Sicilians far more often in the lower rating groups than you will at the master level. So the Alapin Sicilian, the Close Sicilian, the Grand Prix attack, you need to spend more time on those, I would say, sub 2000. The Open Sicilian is going to take the mainstay, though, when you start getting to master level play. Almost every game's an Open Sicilian. Yeah, as a Sicilian player myself, I, I have to say, I, I might go so far as to say that under 2000, you should treat the anti-Sicilians as the main lines. And <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the, a gratuitous plug to Camille uh, Plicta's course, um, beating the anti-Sicilians because I actually faced another anti-Sicilian recently, came home and was like, all right, enough's enough. I had a bad <laughs> opening. Like I picked up that course and uh, definitely recommend that. Um, so let's get back to what you were saying though, Brian, about like sort of learning to mastery rather than just learning to like, you know it. So um, I think the problem that people run into is there's just so much stuff. So how do you sort of assess balancing that with sort of the opportunity cost of going on to the next line? So one of the things that I have done in my training and my text is the concept of the memory marker. And a memory marker is a specific moment in the opening that signals the plan and the position. For instance, most players understand the starting moves in the King's Indian or London system. The memory markers are the plan associated with each try that our opponent has in that moment and the plan associated with meeting their line. So it's easy to get down those first six to 10 moves of an opening, but what happens when you're an opponent plays something that isn't in the book? Those who are memorizing often struggle at this key moment as they can't apply what they've learned in similar positions to what is currently in front of them. You need to have snapshots of the key positions in your critical opening lines where you can explain what the plan is. If you can't explain the plan, you don't know the opening. A great player once said, tactics flow from a superior position. We get the superior position by flowing from opening into middle game with a plan, the memory marker. Okay. So 
we have this picture in our mind and we're we're able to to explain it basically that's the idea of the memory marker yeah it's it's a snapshot it's it's a lot like say when the woodpecker method is used for tactical training you need to as soon as the basic developmental moves are done you have the snapshot what am i doing if i'm a king's indian player against say the samish what am i doing against the fianchetto what am i doing against the classical system because the plans are going to differ, even though we have the same structure with black. So being able to articulate this plan goes with this and segment. Oh, cool. And I know you've said, Brian, you like to quiz your students on this stuff. So when you do quiz them, let's say you put up a key position in the same ish, like how much depth are you looking for in the answer? Like, is it, do they go for one minute, two minutes? How, how deep does the memory marker run? And Typically, you're looking for just a general plan. Uh, a lot of positions are, are static. And I think that people get too hung up on these highly theoretical positions where I mean, things are changing constantly and you know, aggressive Sicilians and Grunfelds. But a lot of chess, you need to have a general guide in the position. You're going to be completely fine. The only openings that I've, I really worry about that I need to study very often are the ones where you can lose immediately from some gross tactical error or misunderstanding. So it's it's important to have those guiding principles, I would say. Okay, this is excellent stuff already, Brian. And can you think of any stories either from your own competitive career or from working with your students where like uh, the memory marker or these, these methods of like making sure you really know this stuff uh, came in handy? Yeah, uh, I've got... One that I, I, I like to share, my eldest student that I worked with was 87. Uh, shout, out to, shout out to that student. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Uh, Clarence Kalinian. And uh, he wanted to learn new opening lines within his current systems. And he had a goal to play in the senior section of the World Open. And when we started working together, he let me know that he was suffering from congestive heart failure, which really affected his energy levels when we were working. So we had to work in, in spurts and really make the time count. And I'm happy to say with the, the method of trained repetition, uh, we were able to get it down. And in one of his last tournaments, he was he tied for first in that senior section of the World Open after having to take a bus for three days from Alabama. And uh, he was on the cover of the newspaper and whatnot <laughs> in the area. And my work with him, he was a many decades long player of the French defense. That's what inspired my, my first book on Chessable and how we work together. So those, those memory markers and those key moments are, are littered throughout that book. Great stuff. And Brian, I know that one other topic you had highlighted, and I think it's, it's a cool idea that I, hasn't been mentioned, at least on How to Chess, was this idea of sort of grouping like openings together, um, like structures where you can play it against both E4 and D4, or you can play it against both uh, the Caro the and the French or whatever it may be. Can you think of a few examples you could share where uh, players can sort of lighten their workload by playing similar structures? Definitely. And this, this is something that I, I work on quite a lot with my adult students that have limited time. So I was very inspired and had the privilege of working with Grandmaster Verusian Akobian at the Emory Castle chess camp multiple years. And during one of his lectures, I, I had this big aha moment that Akobian, when he's playing white, he's a queen pawn player. And typically in all of his major systems, 
he's going to have a pawn on e3, d4, and c4. Whether it be the Queen's Gambit, the Slob, the King's Indian, the Grunfeld, he has the same structure. And then when we flip it and look at his black openings, he plays the French defense and Queen's Gambit declined to Rosh, which is e6, d5, and c5. With So we get a mirror image with a pawn structure on both sides with white and black. What ends up happening when you're training in this way and playing the same pawn structure, you're going to have the same theme, same plans, tactical overlap, piece plays generally going to be the same. So if you can really get down the single structure, you're going to have a firm mastery of other openings that you haven't even started really studying yet. Man, that that's a that's a great idea. Um, and can you think of other openings that that might pair well together? Definitely. When I say I have a student that really loves the London system. So I'm typically pairing, say, a Karakhan and Slob on the other side. And then we got, say, the Catalan and the Grunfeld. You've got Sicilian players who have been lifelong Sicilian players, but they haven't touched the English. And there's a lot of overlap. So it's bouncing around. I mean, Dutch and bird, but I think we may be going a little bit far with them. Yeah, yeah. There's the, per- <laughs> the perk and the King's Indian come to mind. Um, yep. Yeah, King's there's, Indian, there's, King's Indian attack. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, that's well. This has been excellent, Brian. I think you've given a lot of uh, great advice for people. I mean, uh, as we said at the top, it's just you know, time time is the one uh, unreplaceable resource. So I really appreciate all these tips for helping us um, manage it better and remember our lines. And Brian, if you can stick around a bit after we um, after we sum up our conversation, maybe we could talk a bit about what you're working on now. Sure. Awesome. And we are back and I have my three improvement takeaways, things I will be thinking about from this great conversation with uh, National Master and everything else in chess, uh, Brian Tillis. Um, the number one point, of course, is limit distractions. I really like the point that Brian raised about how it's better to work smarter rather than longer. And, you know, I'm, I'm no saint when it comes to this. Uh, we all have our issues with like picking up the phone and getting distracted and then suddenly 20 minutes has disappeared. So it really helps to put your computer in do not disturb mode, put your phone in the other room, whatever it may be. And as Brian said, it can be better to to train smarter, to train sort of, even if you can do it at like a higher level of intensity than a chess tournament itself, which is tough to do, but that can be the goal. There's tons of stories of someone like uh, Stephen Curry in the NBA uh, trading in the, training in these like insanely demanding conditions so that by comparison, the actual game uh, doesn't seem as challenging. Um, so point number two is I love this idea of a memory marker where like, of course, you're trying to remember every move when you learn a chessable course. But more than that, you need to be able to explain the plans. And if you can't explain the plans in a certain opening, then the memory is likely to fail you at the critical moment. So I think that's an, an awesome concept and one that I'll, you know, I've thought of it in different ways. But again, it's one of those things where if you don't make it a sort of conscious part of like, I'm going to do this um, every time then it can slip through the cracks and suddenly you're at the board in a tournament or in an important online game and you realize, like, I don't know this as well as I thought I did. Um, Number three is I love Brian's um, broad concept of sort of grouping similar structures as a way to um, deepen your understanding and kind of give you a a competitive advantage. Um, The example he told about uh, Grandmaster Veruja Nakopian, one of the best players here in the United States, um, playing similar structures was not not something I had I had noticed, not something I was aware of. But it's obviously if grandmasters are doing it and they're devoting all of their time to chess, those of us who are not able to devote all our time to chess, it's all the more important that you group the London and the Cairo, 
um, or the King's Indian attack and the King's Indian, um, or whatever it may be, where the structures are simil similar and you're able to take it from there. So just great stuff all around from Brian. Much appreciated. So Brian, I know that you're you're a busy guy running your your IRL Chess Institute down there in Florida, plus all the online stuff. What's uh what's keeping you busiest right now? Oh, I am currently in the process of recording my uh, the video on my opening oddities course, which is every move is covered for Black's perspective except for one e four and one d four. And uh, as soon as I'm done with that, I, I think uh, we'll hear it here first. I'm actually going back through and making drastic improvements to my first book, Master of the French Defense, and plan on recording re-recording that entire course, wow. which will probably be more than 40 hours worth of video. <laughs> That's hardcore, man. And Brian, I have to admit, I, I've played E4 most of my life. I haven't been playing it as much lately. I never like playing against the French defense. And I've heard good things about your course. So a little animosity there, I have to say, <laughs> since, uh, since you're contributing to people playing the French against me. <laughs> I see, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we won't we won't hold it too personal. And and you mentioned your um unorthodox sort of first move course, so that would cover f four. Dare I ask if it covers the b three cowboy? Do you got got something against b three? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I just recently made improvements in the course addressing Chessable's new lifetime repertoire, as well as I think it was uh, how Nakamura plays the Nimzo Larson or 1B3, something like that. So definitely, uh, oh. I, I've got you covered not only with a king pawn response, but a queen pawn response as well. Okay, excellent. So something to look forward to. And other than that, um, check out the YouTube channel for Palm Beach Chess and Brian's Chessable Courses. Anything else before we let you out of here, Brian? That's it. I, I come out with new content every day on the Palm Beach Chess YouTube. And in fact, I do uh, an ongoing series of viewer game analysis. So if you'd like for me to break down one of your games step by step, send it in to me. You can find my email in the links. Awesome. Yeah. And as I've mentioned uh, on podcasts before, for the, for those of you on a budget looking to get like maybe maybe you wish you had a coach, but you just can't make it happen right now. Taking advantage of offers like that is a great way to get analysis from strong players like Brian. So definitely encourage people to take advantage of that. All right, Brian, this has been awesome. Hope to hope to work with you again uh, in the future. Definitely. Definitely.